0: good morning grace church online hasn't our world changed i mean i'm here live stream on facebook speaking to you i was thinking about how the coronavirus has really uh, been reshaping our culture and reshaping our lives i mean last wednesday instead of playing basketball the nba star steph curry he hosted a live stream Q&A session with the disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, who would have thought of that? And who would have thought anybody would have watched just a couple of months ago? What is it that you're missing today? I mean, basketball is out, the tournaments have been canceled, baseball is out. For some of us, we might be missing going into the office or going into work. And for our young people, you know, our proms, graduations, oh wow, how about seeing your friends every day? We, we really have been missing quite a few things that are going on, and in fact, um, some of those things will come back, but a lot of them may never recover. It reminds me of a while ago, my mom was on a diet. This was when I was younger. She was on a diet and it was called, honestly, the AIDS diet plan. Now, they were little candies that came in a box, A-Y-D-S candies and they had an appetite suppressant in them. And you could take one or two and drink a cup of hot liquid and they would, voila, make you not hungry and you would lose weight. Well, because phonetically the AIDS AYDS diet plan also sounded like AIDS, the disease, mm, that went away and never came back. So, is anybody missing the donuts at Grace Church? Oh my goodness, I just wanna put a shout out to the Dream Team who always has those mounds of donuts for us every Sunday morning. These are losses that really are kind of lighthearted and we can talk about them and you probably have some that you could share. But we know today that many of you have losses that are not so laughable and not so easy to think about and talk about. For some of you it's income or the loss of a job as Aaron had mentioned earlier. For some of you, it is really simply going into the office and that loss of connections with people. Some of us can't go visit people we love because they are more susceptible to the virus. And so they're unable to have visitors. So we're thinking about you and we're praying about you. And you might have just logged on and you're saying, is this church? Is this woman church? And you know what? Yes, it is. This is church. Because today, we're going to talk about, even through the circumstances that we have no control over, and even though everything is changing around us, we're going to talk about the Word of God that is absolutely unchangeable. So the voice of God and the Word of God that does not change. This morning, I want to challenge us to engage in the tasks that are before us today. That's social distancing, working from home, juggling juggling the home, the schedule, the kids. Um, our relationships, or simply being at home alone all day now and all night. But I'm challenging us to engage in those things, knowing that God's word says that all things work together for the good of those who who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God's word has not changed. He told us all things will work together for the good of those who love Him. And that is the same today as it was two months ago. We're told in Ephesians that we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, those who have made made him the Lord and the leader of our lives. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. In another version, it it says the same thing, but it says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. God has fully equipped us in Christ Christ by his own spirit to handle what God's will requires. Let me say that again. God fully equipped us in Christ and by his own spirit to handle what God's will requires. My husband, Bob and I are currently leading the study Experiencing God and we're leading it for the fourth time. And that study makes a point that God desires to use us in his work and that we can actually partner with him for the purposes that he's planned for our lives. In the midst of any uncertainty and chaos around us, we can pray, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to your will. Show me how I can join you and show me what to do in this situation. So the question is, what is God showing us today? And more importantly, how do we know it's the voice of God? Much of the time, the Holy Spirit will reveal God's plan to us as he orchestrates the circumstances in our lives. And we can ask ourselves, what is God orchestrating in my life today? Everything looks so sudden and unexpected. And again, it's lasting so long. How long are we going to have to go through this? And, and yet, God is orchestrating and he is aligning events and people for his greater purpose. Could he be asking us to engage in our current activities and responsibilities as part of the path that leads us to his greater purposes for us individually, for us as a church, and even for our world? again in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. If you allow me to share a personal story that kind of illustrates this. Several years ago, I worked for an an organization that had a Christian name. Now, I had been working for the state where I lived, and this organization was starting a treatment, foster care, and residential facility. And so they had come through the classes, and afterward, about about a week or so later, they asked me to lunch. And they offered me a job. They said, we need someone like you to come in and to train our social service staff and our foster and adoptive parents. Now, they... The money was a little bit less, but working for the state, I was a contractor and was self-employed, so I wouldn't have that that employment tax, that double tax, and they were offering a great benefits package. So my husband and I prayed about it. We sought God. We said, Father, you know, what, what should we do at this time? And we both agreed that that's what I was supposed to do, that I was supposed to go and work for this organization. Well, I quickly realized after I started working there that the organization had a Christian name and that was as far as the Christianity went. In fact, once I was asked to speak on Christian radio and I was asked to speak about becoming licensed as a foster and an adoptive parents in that state. Well, I could not only speak from a professional standpoint, but my husband and I had fostered over 50 children and we had already adopted three. And so on the radio show, I said, every child who came to our home and was of age we were able to present the gospel to them and they not only listened to what we had to say but they watched the way that we lived now let me tell you everything wasn't perfect i probably have kids out there watching now saying yeah wow, we could be pretty chaotic sometimes and yet every single child who was able and of age made jesus the lord and the leader of their life they prayed that prayer that difference was made Well, I shared that on the radio, and when I got back into the office, I was called into the director's office after being on a Christian radio station, and they said, now everyone who wants to proselytize children will try to come to our agency. And I thought, you you didn't want us to share the gospel? And I just, my only defense was, that's the way that we live. So I went home. And I honestly dropped to my knees because I do that when I'm in distress, I go to my knees, but I dropped to my knees and I said, God, I thought that you told me to, to work here. I thought that you told me to move from this position to that position. And I thought it was a Christian organization and it's not, did I make a mistake? Did I not hear you? And God very simply and very clearly said, Cindy, Joseph worked in Potiphar's house. And immediately I knew that story of Joseph. He was a slave, but he was very bright, very smart. And he had been asked to work for the governor, Potiphar. And he learned to not only run his household, but the things that he learned while working for Potiphar, he also learned how to run the country of Egypt later on in his life. So I heard from God again. He told me to go originally, and then he told me to stay. And do you know, I worked there for six years. At the end of that six years, towards the end, the public and private agencies were meeting together, and I was with this group of people, and the county where I lived had not passed a levy for quite some time. and. I offered to do a 36-hour pre-service class for them. It was a pre-service curriculum that was required for people to become licensed as foster parents or adoptive parents, approved as adoptive parents. And I offered to do it for them for free. And you know, they said, okay, well, the closer it got to the time, I thought, why did I do that? I mean, I have a family. I had, at the time, six kids. I have six kids. and. Why did I offer to do this for free? But I felt strongly that I needed to do it, and I talked to my husband, and he wisely said, "You gave your word; you need to follow through." So the first class was on a Saturday, and it was about it was about eight hours long. In the first four hours, the director of of that county came and sat through the class, and when it we broke for lunch. Um, She said, would you come upstairs to my office when you're finished? And I said, sure, you know, I would do that. And she left and then we had lunch, finished the day and I went up to her office. And she said, we want to pay you for this class. And I said, oh, you know, no, 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 I really, I offered it, I, I understood what I was getting into. And she said, no, no. We have a training budget and we want to pay you. And not only do we want to pay you, but we've been looking for someone like you to train all of our foster and adoptive parents and social service staff. And so we can give you about a year's worth of work, just 36 hours every quarter. However, she said, we're very close to a couple of different counties. We work closely with them and we switch people sometimes. And if I recommend you to them, I'm pretty sure that they'll ask you to do their pre-service classes as well. So I ended that free 36 hour training, getting paid and having two years worth of a schedule of training so that I could leave that job I had worked at for six years and there was obstacle after obstacle there. So God had orchestrated this in my life. Had I not been certain of his voice to say, go here, do this, had I not prayed and said, God, I'm seeking your counsel, I need to know what to do, then I would have missed the blessing and the work that God had called me to do. I'd like to share three things that are necessary for discerning or for listening for the voice of God. Number one, hearing the voice of God requires a receiver to hear his voice. You know, in my house we have an Alexa, but we only plug it in when we, when we need it, when we wanna use it, because we don't want it listening to our voices all the time. We don't want it listening for, you know, its name, Alexa, or anything else. So we have to have a receiver to hear God's voice. Our very first invitation to hear God and to hear his direction is when his spirit invites us into a relationship with him through Jesus whom he sent. Jesus said when he was on earth and when he was praying to God, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. And then he went on in John 14 to say, i am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father or god except through me he was making it very clear there is one way for reconciliation with god and it is through me that's through jesus he also said i have come that you and he was saying they and he was talking about the people then and the people now i have come that they might have life and have it to the full so In order to do that, we have to have that relationship with Jesus. And there are just a few steps that we need to take. And so I'd like for you to think about these things as I talk about them. First of all, recognize that you're a sinner. We've all done things wrong. That's what sin is wrongdoing. And we need a saving relationship or someone to pay the penalty for our wrongdoing. And that is Jesus. Then we confess or agree with God about our sin. Yeah, I did it. You know, I I, I I know it was wrong. I knew it was wrong when I did it. I don't know how, but you know, I did it. I'm agreeing with you, God, and I am sorry. So third here is repenting of our sins. So you're turning from the sin to God. God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to think this anymore. I don't want this in my heart anymore. I don't want to react and act this way anymore. God, I need you to help me. So we, we repent of our sins and we turn from that sin to God. And then we ask Jesus to save us by his grace and his grace is the payment on the cross. He lived a perfect life and then said, I'm going to take my perfect life and I'm going to die for all of those imperfect people now and in the future. So we, we just ask Jesus to save us by his grace. And then we turn over the rule of our life to Jesus letting him be our leader or our Lord. People say, Jesus is my Lord, and they mean Jesus is my leader. Let's look at how Jesus, who was the perfect example for us, received direction from the Father. He said in John five, my Father is always working to this very day, and so am I. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. So Jesus is the Son, the Father is God. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. And in fact, The Father will show him even greater works. So here, Jesus is listening to the Father. He's engaging in activities that are leading toward the perfect purposes of God. And then in the next verse in John, we're going to look at the way Jesus provided for us or those of us who have made him the Lord and leader of our lives to hear the voice of God. Jesus, in this passage, was instructing his, his disciples before he went obediently to the cross. And he told them, and ultimately is telling us, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. This advocate will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. So the advocate is also called the Holy Spirit. He's also called, by the way, our helper. He is called our teacher. Um, He is called our comforter. So he says here, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And then just a little bit later, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth. So he's calling the Holy Spirit, the advocate. He's calling him the Holy Spirit. He's calling him the spirit of truth. And I want to explain that before we go on with this verse. I was born some time ago. And my parents named me Cynthia Ruth Welch. And they nicknamed me Cindy for short. Later on in life, I got married to my husband and I became Cindy Killen. And so you know me as Cindy Killen today. However, all of my children, I have seven children. All of them call me mom and my grandchildren call me Mimi. My husband calls me honey. All right. So everybody calls me something different. I'm one person. I have different names based on the relationship that I have with people. So when we're told in the word, the spirit of truth, the advocate, the helper, it's because God wants us to understand that the Holy Spirit is all of these things for us. One person, all of these things. So when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the Holy Spirit becomes our receiver. He starts telling us what we need to know and what we need to do when we pray. He guides us into all truth because he is the Spirit of truth. So number one, in order to hear the voice of God, we have to have a receiver. Number two, to recognize God's voice, we make the Bible, that's God's word, our guide for how to relate to him and how to live our lives. Look to see what God has to say and how he works in the scriptures, and then base all your decisions and evaluate your experiences based on those biblical truths. When Jesus said, follow me, in Matthew 9, 9, it wasn't a suggestion. He knew the way. So he said, follow me. Remember in John 5, he said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. We follow Jesus and what he tells us in the Bible because he already knows the way. He knows the way to go. The voice of God will always line up with the word of God. But you have to spend time with it or in it so you become familiar with it. We need to know what it says. I was in a Skype meeting last week, and I don't know if you've ever ever used Skype, but I was in a meeting room all by myself, and there are these two great big screens, and you can see these little squares, and people, either either their, um, their video cam is on, and so you can see them, or they have uploaded a picture, and you see that beautiful picture, or for most people, it's just that little blue person that Skype gives you, and then their name is underneath. So I could see seven people were in that meeting. And we were talking, you know, I, I was teaching, but when we got finished, they started blogging off and I started hearing other voices that I had not seen on the screen. And I heard somebody say, hey, thanks, Cindy. Hey, we're missing coming into the office. We're in and I recognized their voices because I had worked alongside them. I had spent time with them. So even though their little blue picture or their picture didn't come up on the screen and their name, I knew, hey Deborah, good to hear from you. Carrie, I'm glad you got to join us. I knew who they were by the sound of their voices. The, the voice of God always lines up with the word of God and the word of God always lines up with the will of God. God will not instruct you to do something that's outside of the boundaries that he's already set up. He said he set up those boundaries to give us a rich and satisfying life. That's in John 10:10. So, you know, what if I'm self-employed? should I lie a little about my income so I don't have to pay so much tax? I'll give it to the church. Mm -hmm. But the word tells us in Matthew, give to Caesar or the government what belongs to Caesar and to God, what belongs to God. It also said, and I'm not making this up, it's in Psalm 55, murderers and liars will die young. Should I move in with my girlfriend so we can save money to get married? Well, the word tells us from Genesis all the way through the way that we're to live our lives. And it tells us about our sexuality and in Corinthians, I think that it is just one moment. Yes, it is in Corinthians. It says avoid sexual immorality. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. So get married and we'll have a party later. Should I cheat on my exams, young people? I won't get caught because I'm taking them at home. Well, Jesus told us in Mark, you must not cheat anyone. How clear could that be? You must not cheat anyone. She made me so mad. Should I ever talk to her again? Well, we're told in Matthew, if your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift. And that's a gift that you're giving to God. It says, leave your gift. Go and be reconciled and then come back and offer your gift. What's one more drink? I've had a few. The word tells us don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Another another translation says it will lead to reckless indiscretion, but instead be filled with the spirit. So we're given instruction and I'm not saying it's always easy and I'm not saying it's always culturally acceptable. You know, what would people think of me? All right. But God said, choose what I've designed in my word. He said, my word is truth and the spirit of truth, that advocate, that helper, his Holy Spirit will give us the desire and the power to live it. Familiarity with the Bible on its own doesn't mean anything unless there's application, unless there's a way that you see it changing your life. And that brings us to the third necessary action to hear or to discern the voice of God, and that is obedience. When we refuse to follow God's direction. It's usually because we're convinced that whatever he's asking us to give up is better or worth more to us and the people around us than what we'll gain through obedience, what we'll gain by our obedience. Jesus said in John 13, now that you know these things, so you spend time in the word, you know what the word says, somebody's told you, maybe you knew when you were younger and you've walked away, but you know, it's there. But he said, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. He continued saying, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I also will love him and reveal myself to him. And their reveal means manifest, to be clearly seen, to be clearly heard, and to make clearly known. Jesus is saying, I will reveal myself to you. I will tell you what you should do. When we're seeking God's direction, he reveals himself to us when we hear and obey. I listen to my husband's counsel all the time. Um, he, He tells other people, and he's also told me before, if you haven't heard God in a while, or if you think you're not hearing God any longer, go back to the last thing that he told you and ask yourself, did you do it? Finally, because God's word never changes, despite what's going on around us, and it's unfailing, We listen to his direction when he tells us things like in in Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep in your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. At Grace Church, we have prayed for you and we're praying for you and we're praying for those you love as well in this season that we're in as the culture around us may change i'm challenging us to actively engage in becoming familiar with and listening to the unchanging voice of god